Welcome to Mirror of All Life in Balance, bringing you mindful tips and insight into supporting your mental well-being and living your most balanced life. Listen to the sound of the breeze as it flows through the trees. Imagine the forest on a cool and crisp day. The wind rustling the colorful leaves, making them fall slowly to the ground. It's time to clear your mind and focus on the present. Take a moment to center your breath. Breathe in and out. In and out. Don't speed up or slow down. Just focus on your breathing. Thank you for sharing this moment with me. Welcome to Miraval Life in Balance, brought to you by Miraval Resorts. I'm your host, Lauren Scruggs-Kennedy, and on today's episode, our theme is inspiring wellness in the workplace as we explore the importance of talking about and ending the stigma of mental health in professional and personal environments. I'm excited to be joined by our wonderful guest, Elise Banks, a clinical psychotherapist and ambassador with the National Alliance on Mental Health. Together, Elise and I will discuss her work with NAMI, her time in pageantry, and how she personally addressed her mental health. Plus, she'll share insight into the Miraval Resorts and Spa collaboration with NAMI. Okay, welcome, Elise. So glad to have you on. So good to see you. You too. Thanks for coming on. We're excited. I'm just going to jump right into it and introduce you because you are a clinical psychologist in Houston. And I really want to know what initially brought this passion about and why you wanted to start helping others. So I actually, in terms of helping others, it started at a very early age. My parents instilled in me very early on to be able to volunteer and give back. I was volunteering, whether it was Salvation Army, Goodwill, building houses for others. My parents just, they enforced in me, we live a certain lifestyle, but it's not for us to just have for ourselves, it's to be able to bless others. And so they showed me even at a young age that it's important to be able to bless others with the blessings you have been given. And throughout my life, you know, volunteerism has been huge. And I travel across the country, across the world to be able to bless others. But in terms of my career, I initially started thinking I was going to be in the medical field. And uh, I had hopes and dreams of being a pediatrician and thinking that I was going to be working with children in that capacity. And then in my after my sophomore year of college, just had a breakdown 
Um, and I remember coming home to my parents and crying and really upset because I just wasn't happy. And my mom said something very powerful, which is, you know, Elise, college is not about continuing with something you always thought, but it's more about finding yourself. And so at that point, I decided to switch to psychology, which is what I was starting to love and grow a passion for. I never looked back. I love how the conversation has become more open recently, especially after COVID and to just like dig in emotionally and mentally and like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you, I'm lonely, I'm depressed, whatever. I feel like people are so much more open to communicating about that. And I feel like what you're doing is just adding so much, creating a safe space for people to come share. And and it's been really positive to see. I mean, you know, being in the field, I know there is so much that we need to do to make people more comfortable in the space of mental health. But I have seen the shift since 2020. My workload personally tripled. I went from, you know, a really heavy workload prior to the pandemic and then 2020 happened and it's like, you know, everyone was like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm depressed, I'm, you know, not coping well. And with my workload tripling, even though I was exhausted personally, I also thought, oh my goodness, like people are starting to realize like they need to find that support to make sure that they are coping well and that they are doing the things that they need to do to make sure that they are healthy mentally. Totally. And just all the change that COVID created, whether it's jobs or relationships. And I feel like people, yeah, it was really like a time of, it was like trial, but in a positive way, I think like positive in a tough way, but like, um, it's just so cool to see how people have grown from that time of even having to spend time with yourself and not being able to make social plans and working on your relationship, finding maybe a new passion, a new job. Yeah, there's so much. But yeah, and I have seen where uh, those who felt like they were in a certain career path yeah. and you know, these past couple of years have made them feel like you know, maybe I should do something different. Maybe I should prioritize, you know, a different field that would allow me to be with my kids more, with myself more. I think it's very powerful. You know, I did that myself. Even as a therapist, I thought, you know, I was stretched so thin during that time. And although I felt very honored to be in the position where I was helping others, um, I had to take care of myself. And so I made a really big decision to resign from a certain role that would have allowed me, you know, certain experiences, certain, you know, income levels. But I decided to resign from that so that I could focus on what was going to make me whole again and be able to prioritize myself. And I haven't looked back because even in the idea of, oh, am I going to miss out on a certain income or whatever, it's come full forth on another level. And I've been able to be more flexible in my work and advocate in a different way. And so I always encourage those, like when you're feeling that tug of, am I doing the right thing? You know, should I prioritize this or that? Like really listen to yourself and what you need to be doing because your body's telling you something for a reason and just listen to it. I love that. That's such good wisdom. 
pageantry has also been a big part of your life for quite some time. So first of all, you were winning the title of Miss Waco in 2007. You won the title. Um, Miss Bay Area 2012 and in the top five of Miss Houston in 2006 and 2013. Was there anything you learned during this time that has helped you on your journey as a, as a psychotherapist? Absolutely. So I, it's funny because now um, I actually own a pageant, that same pageant that I was never able to win, which was Miss Houston. And Miss wow. Houston is one of the uh, largest local preliminary pageants in the country. That same pageant that I was never able to win, I now own. And um, outside of that, yes, I did win four different crowns. And so I always tell the contestants that are competing for Miss Houston or, or anyone that's, you know, wanting some support that pageants are a mental and emotional game. You have to be mentally and emotionally ready for your competition to be your most uh, successful and able to win. And so I think, you know, for me, being able to stop comparing myself to others was one of the biggest things that helped me be successful in pageantry and now in life. You know, there's always going to be someone who is doing better or more successful or has more money or whatever it is. Um, and if you compare yourself to that person, you're positioning yourself to always feel less than. And that can really play a mind game versus saying, you know what, I know what I'm bringing to the table. I know the cards I have to play and I'm going to do that. I will admit I was never the smartest in school. I was never the, the prettiest in pageants, but I worked really hard. And I feel like that's what made me su successful in school and in pageants now in my career is that I worked hard. I knew what it took to be successful and mentally I stayed focused on my goals and so I encourage um, anyone that I'm working with, whether it's my patients, whether it's pageant contestants, to just really be mentally healthy and then do also the work that needs to be done to be successful. And that's what it takes. That's such good advice. And I love that you have experienced that in your own life. So it actually means more because you're like, I, I had to do it in this situation in my life and then I just can carry it into the rest of my life and... I think that's so powerful. In your own words, how can we support women and their mental health? As a woman myself, and I am a woman who's um, you know, in a career, and I'm not a biological mom yet, but I am a bonus mom. I have you soon-to-be stepsons after I marry my fiance in a couple of months. And um, I think that being able to give women grace. That's the word that really stands out to me is the word grace. But I think, you know, women in so many ways are expected to perform so many roles. Yeah. And not only expected to do them, but to do them well and yes. to do them at 100%. And so as women, we go into each role thinking, okay, I have to 100% be a career woman. I have to 100% be a partner, 100% be a mom, 100% do this. And realistically you can't do that as much as we want to say that we are wonder woman that that's a fictitious role yeah. and and so to be able to say like no i can't do this no i'm going to set a boundary 
No, I'm going to practice self-care. No, I'm, I'm going to prioritize my family over my career. To be able to do that and expect grace from your employer or from your clients or from your, um, you know, the parent guild of your children's school, whatever it is to be able to know like that you can say no or put boundaries or whatever it may be. And that people will say, I respect that because you are trying your best. And by trying your best, does it mean that you're less than? It means that actually you are superwoman because you are doing all of these different roles and doing them well, even if it means that you're having to prioritize or having to split yourself in different ways. And so I really think that we can support women's health by just giving grace and saying, you know, women are doing it all and we're trying our best. We're practicing self-care and we're being here and, and being all these roles. And and that is great. That is amazing. And Jumping back even to what you're saying about comparison, it's just so easy to do that. So I feel like that's a huge one. Just understanding we were individually made for a purpose and what you're saying during your pageantry is just like realizing I am my own person. I don't need to compare to these other women, even though it's like in a competition setting. I just think that's so key in life and it brings so much freedom you know, and it like helps you just love and support other women and other people better because we're all just so different. That's what makes the world so beautiful. And I just love that. Just imparting grace upon everyone and we're all doing our best in life. And yeah, that's such good advice. When you have that perspective, even as a therapist, there's this misconception that as a therapist that we should be able to respond perfectly. We should have perfect coping skills and whatever it may be, but we're still human. And even though we offer the best advice we can to our patients, our clients, uh, we still have to leave our office and handle things as, in my case, Elise. And there are times I have to remind myself the, the clerk at the grocery store who wasn't the kindest, like that has nothing to do with me, even though it seems rude. Yeah. You know, there may be something going on in their life that they aren't handling well, or they're just trying to survive to get through their job. And so, who am I to judge that? Instead, how, you know, I could offer a kind word. And I think that's what we need to do just extend ourselves, try to see the other person's point of view or be in their shoes. And that really offers a lot. Yeah. And it's, so refreshing to do that and it does take practice I feel like to get into that rhythm and I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in our own stuff in life but I remember even growing up if my sister and I were being kind of dramatic about something or spoiled about something my dad would be like you need to go help someone and then we're gonna go and then we're gonna talk about it and it just changed so much my perspective because I realized it's so easy to get in our bubble and in our little like happy spaces and all this stuff and just stepping outside of your world, I feel like changes your whole focus and perspective. And it's just so key to do that. So I love Absolutely. Absolutely. Now moving to the workplace, why is workplace wellness and talking about mental health so important? It's interesting because I have seen, especially since the pandemic, more and more companies, corporations, organizations prioritize mental health. Um, there's part of me that feels like, man, we should have been doing this, uh, you know, years ago. 
But I'm also a positive person who feels like I'm willing to accept that we're here now and that mental health is at the forefront. I see more and more companies who are prioritizing mental health in the lifestyle of their employees, whether it's offering different self-care practices within the workplace. I know several workplaces that offer, they have um, an office gym or, you know, yoga, um, you know, wellness in terms of health and fitness in the workplace. And I applaud it because I think, you know, if you're expecting your employees to work eight, 10 hours a day, you should offer opportunities for them to be able to rest and restore. I've even seen things that a person would have to do outside of their workday. So even having a dry cleaners inside of the workplace so that, yeah, it makes it easier. Your your employee doesn't have to leave work early or come late to drop off their dry cleaning. They can do that within the office, um, providing child care. And there's just so many places where I see companies becoming aware uh, we want to make sure that our employees are in terms of those who don't even you know they don't have an employer they are the employer they are the boss they own their own company it's empowering them to feel uh, the necessity of providing these spaces for their employees providing quiet spaces where their employees can just go and take a few minutes to just journal or breathe or have a a cup of coffee or hot tea. It's really important. It's been really special to see some of my older clients, patients who will Zoom their sessions and they're doing it from work. And I'll say things like, hey, I just want to make sure that you're okay. Like you're not going to get in trouble for doing this session. And they're saying, no, my employer is fine. They know that I am taking a break. They don't have to know that break is necessarily therapy, but they know I'm taking a break for an hour. And for them to have the comfort of being able to say, you know what, I'm taking a break from work to go to my therapy session and I don't have any guilt or resentment or any of that um, is is special. And so I really encourage anyone that's listening, whether you're an employee, to take the time that you need to take care of yourself. And if you're an employer, to empower your employees to be able to do that, because we want to do our best in anything that we do, but we also have to take care of ourselves, too. That's so good. And I love how people are really, I feel like, starting to see, like, the wholeness. Like, so it's not just work, and then you come home, and you do this, this, and this. It's like, how much are going to help when we incorporate even, yeah, dry cleaning, errands, counseling, all these things um, to just make you a better person and then you're going to work a lot better. You're going to be better to your colleagues, to your friends and all that. And I feel like, yeah, that's just like been such a cool awareness thing. I feel like in our culture, because it really was lacking. And even what you're saying about like an entrepreneur, someone that owns their own business, I feel like that is so hard. I work for myself and just almost like encouraging myself and being accountable to myself for taking a break. I feel like that also is a rhythm you have to not have shame about, but really realizing like once you start that, how much better you become. When the pandemic hit, and I I say this in reference because I understand that everyone's kind of back in their normal lives at this point, but 
when the pandemic hit and everyone was working from home, you know, as a therapist, I really struggled. And I want to emphasize that because some people think, again, like, oh, you're a therapist. Yes. Like everything could be great. Yeah. Um, I struggled because my house was my safe place. Like when I came home from work, I just kind of zoned out and I was just obese and I did my self-care. And so when we were working from home, I was like, well, how does this work? Because like I'm seeing patients here and I this is also my like safe haven. And I had to put in certain practices. Like my bedroom was on the third floor of my townhouse at the time. And I remember saying, okay, in order to make sure that I stay whole, I still have to put boundaries in this situation. And so I would wake up every day during that time. I would get dressed, even if it was just from the top up, because we were all in And I would come downstairs. And that like actual physical activity of coming downstairs was my way of going to work. Wow. And I would be in my office. I would see my patients. I would have my lunch break, whatever. My rule was, you may not go back upstairs until you're done with your day. Because okay. in my head, I would look, hey, if this was like regular times, yeah. you would not be in your bedroom or watching TV or doing laundry or whatever it was. And so to me, I was like, okay, during the office hours, I'm going to be down here. And then when my day is done, then I can go back upstairs. And it was really powerful to have those boundaries. And so I, I translate that with my my patients, my clients of saying, where are the boundaries in your life? Yeah. Even though the pandemic is essentially over, but we still have to have boundaries in our relationships, with our friendships, with our workplace. And when you put those boundaries in place and the more you become comfortable and confident in that, you will see success emotionally. That's so true. And I feel like that's a topic that I love that term success emotionally because I feel like for years I had the hardest time saying no. And I think I have a twin sister. It was, so it's interesting because it was partly she would be the one that would set the boundaries and I would just like follow along. So I really had to learn that on my own when we moved into different cities and um, got married and all this stuff. But yeah, I would just exhaust myself emotionally and almost not be aware of it. But yeah, when you start setting those boundaries. And when you see that people respect the boundaries rather than being hurt or like, you know, stuff like that, you're just like, I'm too tired tonight. I can't come out. Whatever it might be, you're just like, okay, this gets easier. And I'm seeing just like the well-being in my own life from supporting myself in that way, you know? Absolutely. That's so good. I love that. And I love, yeah, I love the boundary you set. That's that's amazing. I'm going to take that with me. <laughs> So why do you think there's a stigma about talking about wellness at work? How is workplace wellness often different for women versus men? Oh, that's such a great question because uh, I feel like the workplace was kind of built for men. Honestly, I think when you think historically in our country, women were supposed to be the caretakers of the home of the children and the men, you know, brought home the bacon for lack of better words. And, you know, as women, we've had a whole empowerment of women in um, empowerment. And I'm all about it because I think women really can do it all. We can be the partner. We can be the mother. We can be the entrepreneur. We can be the whatever it is. We can do it and we shouldn't have limits. 
But I think because that is unfortunately a newer idea, there is this expectation of, are you sure you can do it all? And you were supposed to just be here. And now you're saying you want to do all of this. And, you know, I I really do want to um, emphasize women and advocate for women who want to have different roles and don't want to fit into a certain stereotype or gender role. You know, I look at my own mother, who was an executive for a major bank here in the country and ended up starting her own firm. And she traveled and she was an executive and she was a wife and she was a mom and she did it all and she did it well. And so that was that was the foundation that I had to do everything that I wanted to do in my life of, you know, I wanted to be a wife and a mom, but I also wanted a career and I, I never once felt limited. I always felt like I could do it, even if society said, you're crazy. I feel like as women, we have to support each other. And it makes me sad when I see women not advocating for each other because I'm like, why not support each other? Yes. Why not? There's enough room for all of us. We are all mostly in different fields. And even if you are within the same field, there's enough business to go around. And I just, I really want to make sure that women feel like whatever you want to do, you can do it. Your passion for mental health extends beyond your office, which is really incredible. And you serve as president for the board of directors for NAMI Texas and as a national ambassador for NAMI and travel extensively to break the stigma surrounding mental wellness. How did you get involved with this? Oh my goodness. I'm going to give the spark notes version because um, that could take us the whole time. But when I won Miss Texas back in 2015, I had an organization that reached out. My platform at the time was mental health. Okay. And they asked if I would advocate across the state of Texas for them. And I was like, that sounds great. But like, who are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And I learned more about NAMI and, you know, I being a therapist, not just as Miss Texas, but as a therapist, I learned all of the amazing resources that they had at cost, which I think is the important thing to mention because uh, NAMI works hard to um, fundraise to get the money so that anyone who needs their resources, whether it's as an individual, a loved one supporting someone in a crisis, will be able to do so without having to worry about paying for it. And so um, as this Texas at the time, I, you know, went across the state of Texas advocating for mental health. I ended up winning Miss International and going across the country advocating for mental health. And it was a blessing to be able to do so. Since then, my personal pageant days are over, even though I do own pageant, but um, I do sit on the board of NAMI Texas. And that is more of the, the behind the scenes work that a lot of people don't see. Yeah. And that's okay as long as they see the results of, you know, the the laws that we try to get passed at our state capitol, uh, the work that our organization does across the state of Texas. Um, I am an ambassador for NAMI National, so I do work closely with the NAMI CEO in the Washington, D.C. area. He has been an amazing leader of, again, working towards laws that are passed at our country's capital. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, doing the work across the country to make sure that people understand that there are resources, even if you don't have the finances for mental health, if you don't have insurance, it's okay. 
NAMI is here to step in the gap for you and make sure that you get the support that you need so that you're emotionally healthy. Wow. That's so encouraging because I feel like it can be hard to be like, where do I start? How do I afford this? Thanks for sharing that. So Miraval Resorts and NAMI began their collaboration in 2021 and have been able to provide mental well-being tools and resources for their guests and colleagues. You had the opportunity to visit Mirabal Berkshires and were part of a special Authentic Circle Appreciation Week at Mirabal Austin, where you spoke with both their guests and colleagues. Can you talk a little about um, your Mirabal Berkshires and Mirabal Austin experiences? Absolutely. So I, it was really just a blessing because, you know, Miravon, I know, you know, is a, I call it like a retreat for the elite. Like it's, you know, you get to go and just escape for a couple of days and just focus on yourself and your wellness, your self-care. And when I first heard about Miraval, I was like, oh my goodness, what an opportunity. Um, and, um, you know, being associated with NAMI, I was invited to go to Mirabal Berkshires and uh, and do some speaking and advocacy for mental health and in exchange got to experience Mirabal. Mm-hmm. So first, I just want to give a shout out to Mirabal for, you know, they are a wellness brand, but there are several wellness brands who don't necessarily value or prioritize mental health. And the fact that Mirabal has is amazing. Um, not only in their clients who come to Mirabal, but in their staff. So part of the work that I did was, yes, with their clients, whoever was coming in that particular week, I got to work with them and make sure that they were taking the steps that they needed to do mentally, emotionally. But then on the second half of my trip, I got to work with the Mirabal staff. And that was really important to me because the staff of Mirabal are the ones that are pouring into their clients. And so again, just like us as providers and doctors, therapists, whatever it may be, we spend day in, day out in the trenches of our clients, making sure they're okay, but we still have to be okay ourselves. And so to be able to spend time with the Miraval staff and just say like, hey, no one's looking right now. There's no camera. There's no clients. Like, how are you doing? And to have that time with them and, and have them be vulnerable was incredible. And I'm really excited that I get to do that two more times at the end of this year at Miraval Austin in Miraval, Arizona in their original location. And so I can't wait to spend some time with them later this year. Oh, that's so incredible. And isn't it interesting when you go to Miraval or any place that really cares about the wellness of the staff, it just creates the whole atmosphere of the place. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, you can tell that they have that opportunity to pour back into themselves and reset and recharge and really show up for the people. You're going to have the best time also. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite activity or aspect of your stay at Miraval Berkshires? So what I loved about it is the balance. They call it life in balance. And I love that because life is in balance. When I went to the Berkshires in 2021, I was shocked because when I thought of wellness, I thought of like, okay, we're going to have like, you know, lemon juice and we're going to have yoga and we're going to have whatever it may be. And when I got there and there was like, you know, a bar and I was like, what? Like alcohol. And um, they stressed the importance of life and balance of, you know, 
you know, yes, a glass of wine is fine. Yes, a dessert is fine. I love that because I didn't, when I walked into that space, I didn't feel I have to restrict my normal life. It's just more of let me find the balance of what self-care looks like. Let me incorporate different practices that I never knew that I could. So yes, I went there and I did a hike in the middle of the day, which I never would have been able to do, especially with my work. Um, I got to meet new people. I got to learn um, healthy lifestyles that I wanted to incorporate. And then I also got to learn things like, how do you make a healthy Bloody Mary? Okay, well, that's really cool. Like, um, you know, how do you make it fresh, even though there's alcohol in it? How do you balance um, in, in having some of the indulgence is without feeling shame yes. or that this isn't the right lifestyle. So I really appreciate Mirabal for that. Like they really do try to find like, like, let's meet our client where they are at and let's find the balance in that. So cool. Yeah. In your opinion, what makes Mirabal Berkshire's experience unique among the Mirabal Resorts? I think not even just the Miraval Berkshires, but just Miraval as a whole. I think one of the important things is the ability to step away. Yeah. And I recognize they are geared towards a certain client, but they are also, they have the foundation of promoting that lifestyle, no matter your socioeconomic status. So sure, like even if you say like, I can't afford to have the Miraval experience, but I do want to incorporate self-care in my day-to-day life. And what does that look like? And so being able to say, you know, I am going to take 12 hours and go get my my nails done or go to the park and journal, you know, ask for a sitter to take care of my kids. And that's what I appreciate about Miraval. They do offer an opportunity for some, and then they do promote an opportunity for others to say like, at the end of the day, our goal is to promote a healthy lifestyle, boundaries, self-care. And for me, you know, honestly, sure, what I do appreciate is that I was given the opportunity to say, you're going to take four days at that time, completely zone out. Do not worry about your patients. Do not worry about anybody else. Just focus on you. And I had the best time just doing that. And the little bit of guilt that I had, and I did have some because I was like, I shouldn't be here because I I went during the middle of a work. Oh, wow. I was like, I should be in my office and with my patients and like, oh, I should be cooking for my family or whatever. Um, and then quickly when I got there, there was this feeling of just no, like in order to be able to do that well, when you go back, you have to take this time for yourself. And I did that and I'm, you know, really grateful and I'm grateful to go back. I'm, I'm already looking forward to because I'm, I'm going back right before my wedding. Oh my <laughs> so gosh, that's perfect. That is perfect. <laughs> that's going to be so nice. And it's so true, like the validation of it's okay to be here. And they really do provide so much of that. I did a similar thing. It was like the end of last year. I just finished breastfeeding for about um, eight months. And I, I don't know why I can handle a lot at one time and at this point, I just feel like my body wasn't handling it. And I was like, I need to leave for like 24 hours and that's it. And I just came back like a new person and had my phone off 95% of the time. Um, Yeah, I just did like what I sensed my body needed and like really just took in like the care and rejuvenation and so important. Miraval Austin welcomes the NAMI helpline team 
for a well-being retreat to recharge. Can you share why self-care is so important for caregivers like yourself and the NAMI helpline? I think it's important because as those in the trenches, whatever that looks like, um, we have our medical professionals, doctors, nurses, in the, in the mental health field, we have the therapists, psychiatrists, whatever that looks like, you know, we are in the trenches for our patients, our clients, and to have a space where we can not feel guilty or shame for taking self-care for ourselves. I think people understand that we are human. I think de- deep down they understand that. But I think when they actually see us practicing, there is this feel of like, wait, what are you doing? Like, hold on, like we should be, you know, (laughs) prescribing medicine, you should be doing the therapy, whatever. And so to have a space like Miraval where you can just um, take some time, no judgment, no questions, and just relax and just get the tools that you need to restore was it was and is really important. Um, One of the things that was instilled in us when I was in grad school was that if you don't have your own therapist, you're going to struggle in this field because we hear a lot, we see a lot. And so to have a place where, you know, within our own therapist to be able to share either what we've heard or things that we're going on personally, but then to have a place like Miraval, which is not our therapist or doctor, but to have a place where we can just practice self-care in a very exclusive environment is I think important and I'm I'm grateful, really, really grateful to the Miraval team to have provided that and continuing to prioritize yeah. that for healthcare providers. So wonderful. Okay, so we have a segment on the show called Bring Miraval Home, where we share a tip on how to bring Miraval experience back with you into your everyday life. So what did you and your team learn about yourselves or each other? that you will take back into your day-to-day lives? Ooh, I so I had to narrow it down to two because I learned so much from my time at Miraval and I'm excited to learn more when I go back later this year. Um, one was a workshop that I did where you intentionally um, had a piece of clay that you broke wow. and had to build back together. And when you built it back together in the same original form, you um, ended up using gold paint to paint over the cracks that were broken. And the point of that was to share that we are all broken individuals, but we are still special. The cracks of our lives are actually what make us unique. I love that because I think we live in a society, in a world, in, in an Instagram life where everyone shows a certain part of them that's not always real and um, to have a space where we can say yeah I'm not perfect and I've made mistakes and I've I I don't have the Instagram filter whatever it is and just be real um, and I I really enjoy that so I I do my best I'm still not perfect at it but I do my best to try to be as real as I am with my followers and try to showcase the vulnerability um, in in my life. The other thing is letting go of the devices. There is value to the phone, to the iPad, to your laptop, whatever it may be. And there's also value of letting those things go. Um, I'm not going to assume that me and you are in the same age 
demographic. Um, and there was a time where like life was just like playing with Barbies and going outside and just having fun. It didn't involve phones or devices. And now we live in a world where if you don't have your phone, you're almost like Panic. like anxious, like jittery, and like I don't I don't know what to do without it. And and so um, at Miraval, they do have a phone sleeping bag, which is the cutest. Um, and you you put your phone away and just do life without it. And at first, admittedly, you're like, I don't know how to do that. Like, I need to check my emails. I need to call this person. And then after a while, you start to realize, like, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> and so I have tried to incorporate that. The rule in our family is no phones at dinner. You know, we try our best, no phones in the bedroom. It's hard, but it w- when you start to commit to that routine, it's amazing. And I do encourage anyone listening to try to incorporate some rules of this distance from the social media, from the devices, because it is life-changing. So true. And it's just such a refreshing way to live. It's almost like a weight that's on us. Well, you know, you- it's like wow what we miss in a day because we're like looking at our phones but like you said there is so much value also so it's really finding those boundaries um like within your home really and like within your day-to-day life that really is so key i love that you guys do that our final segment is one we like to call the miraval moment which is where our guest shares a memory from their time at miraval that was impactful to them Maybe a moment where something just clicked or you learned something new about yourself. Um, what do you think would be your Miraval moment and what made it so impactful or memorable for you? Oh, man. Um, th- it's hard because I could say several things. But I think the biggest takeaway for me was not feeling guilty in the self-care. You know, as a therapist, I preach self-care. I want to make sure that my patients walk away knowing that what no matter your walk of life, if you're a child, a you know student, a partner, um, career person, whatever it is that, that self care is um, imperative, and but as a therapist, you have to take that on yourself, and it can be really hard because you are called on to be there for so many people. And so to have a few days to just say, you're doing great and you need to take time for yourself. Uh, you know, it, it, it did take a little bit of time. There was guilt. There was shame of like, here I am having this experience on my own and I should be in my office. And instead transitioning that thought to, I can't be the therapist, the where stepmom, the, you know, fiance, the daughter, whatever it is, I can't be those things unless I take care of myself first. And to transition that thought and then live in that thought and be 100% present in that moment of taking care of myself. Since then, because yes, not every day is a mirror of all day, but <laughs> we wish that we could be. Uh, but since then, it's taking that and transitioning that to my real life here in Houston doing that without feeling the guilt and saying, I've got to do these things to take care of myself. If I don't do that, I can't be there for the person, the people that need it. Um, and so that's the biggest Miraval takeaway, whether you can go to Miraval and I do recommend it, but if you can't, even saying, I'm going to take these minutes, hours, days to just spend on myself, 
that's the takeaway. So good. And I love that we have places now like Miraval to just really validate that. I feel like the word validation keeps coming up of just like, we're all learning that this is a good thing to do for ourselves. Self-care is not selfish. It's really, you know, it's just so important. Okay, so before we go, Elise, it's been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much. Do you want to do a brief mindfulness exercise with me? Oh, I'd love to do one. I'm going to do it, but I also recognize that this is something that actually takes several minutes, hours, sometimes even days to do. Yeah. So I'm going to walk through the entire exercise verbally, um, but know that when I do this exercise, it's something that does take time. Um, So something that I love to do with my clients is, you know, you're going to have a sheet of paper and at the top of your page, you are going to write uh, an issue uh, or a situation that you're going through at this time. And so typically I would pause and allow, you know, whether it's my client or my audience to write that situation at the top of the page. It could be something you're dealing with yourself, um, with a friend, a family member, work, whatever it may be. Um, From there, you're going to divide your page into two columns. And on one column, it didn't really matter which side, but on one column, you are going to write the things in that situation that are not in your control. So for example, if you are consistently late to work, you're going to write the things that you are not in control of from can't control traffic. You can't control what time your boss asks you to show up for work. You can't control if your your child is sick in the morning. But you're going to write all of the things on one column that you're not in control of. And on the other column, whichever side you didn't choose, on the other column, you're going to write the things you are in control of. So in that same example, you are in control of what time you set your alarm for. You are in control of setting your clothes, whatever you're going to wear the night before. Uh, you are in control of even you know making your breakfast or lunch early so you don't have to worry about the next day, making sure there's gas in your car so you don't have to do that on the way to work. So you're going to list the things that you are in control of on the opposite column. I like to do something, you know, therapeutic with my clients. When we finish the two columns, the columns they are not in control of, they can either like put a huge X mark on or can draw fire flames on. They can cut it out and even burn it if they want to. Whatever it is, they can do that to to symbolize that these things are not in your control. So let's make them disappear because the more we operate out of the list that we're not in control of, the more we're going to fail. So um, we do that. And then after we do that therapeutic exercise, then we come back to the look that we are in control of. And then we do a solution step at the very bottom of our page. And that is forming a plan only based on the list that we are in control of, of what steps we can take to move around. Now, in some cases, those steps can solve the problem. That's ideal. But the comp- the situation or issue you place at the top of your page may be complicated and it may not be solved in 30 minutes or in a couple of steps. So the goal at the bottom is to come up with a couple of steps that will help you progress in the healing or in solving 
or in figuring out a solution. And once you come up with two to three steps, you execute that plan. Um, A lot of control and power comes out of just being able to execute a plan um, that we can actually work out of. And that's what I want to empower my clients to be able to do. You now have a plan, execute the plan. That plan is either going to help you move forward or it's going to help you solve the problem. Either way, that builds confidence, which is great. Then once we figure out the next step, we do the whole exercise all over again. I really love that. Because it helps you like see it also. I feel like even just writing it out is so helpful. Writing out is important. Writing and journaling isn't for everybody, but it is a tool that I offer for those who it fits. And I encourage those, you know, to be able to use that because you can definitely look back and just see the progress you're making. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. So powerful. And yeah, I can't wait to try it. I encourage you guys who are all listening to try it. And I want to make that a, a routine in my life that sounds just so productive and yeah coming up with a solution is incredible and empowering and it's really great well thank you so much for having this conversation with me i loved our conversation so much and i can't wait for people to hear all of your wisdom and advice and i'm taking it i'm taking it with me there's so many good things thank you lauren That is all the time we have today. I want to say a big thank you to Elise Banks for joining us and discussing ways of inspiring wellness in the workplace and Miraval Resort's collaboration with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a review so more people can listen in. Until next time, I'm Lauren Scruggs Kennedy, and this has been Miraval Life and Balance brought to you by Miraval Resorts.